0: You are listening to the Shit You Can't Make Up podcast, a conversation with friends, hosted by
1: Marisol Sanchez. Hey folks, this is the producer guy, Sean. Hey, a quick warning. This episode contains explicit content. I'm not kidding. Explicit content. So, if you are Marisol's family or close friends, please hit stop now. I'll wait. Okay, for everyone else, you are in for an entertaining and honest episode. Enjoy.
2: Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello, how are you? What's going on? <laughs> I am great. Um, I want to thank you first off, right off the bat, much gratitude. Thank you for doing this. I was too embarrassed to ask you over the last few weeks. Um And then you kind of... That's
0: what I said. It was my idea. Like, we were talking yesterday, and I was, like, coming up with a list of possible guests. I'm like, bitch, why don't you have me on your podcast? I'm a great podcast guest.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... I, Let me introduce you. Um, I have been a fan of yours for many years. I know this for a fact because my ex-husband and I used to watch your YouTube videos. Um, And that's just a point of reference because we've been divorced five years. (laughs) So... Um,
0: so basically you're telling me I'm the reason you got divorced because you (laughs) and your husband watched the What the Buck show and you thought, quite frankly, I don't need to be married to this man anymore. (laughs) I am the reason.
2: (laughs) No, sorry. I take, I I take full responsibility for my divorce.
0: (laughs) Yay, me too. Me too.
2: (laughs) But you had, I would just, the way I describe you is, um, you are one of the original YouTube success stories. Um, You had a channel called What the Buck. Do you still use that channel?
0: I use the channel occasionally. The channel is What the Buck Show, but um, I kind of retired the format of that a year ago. Occasionally, I will post a video over there, but in general, I'm posting on my new channel, which is New Michael Buckley. But yeah, so that was my main channel for a good, oh, nine, ten years. Yep.
2: And don't you think that's an accurate description? You would be one of the, like, you know...
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I was one of the first people. I was definitely in 2006 d- doing a scripted, formatted show, having an upload schedule. I was the first person I take full credit for doing a call to action on YouTube. I was the person who said, again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's <laughs> true. I'm too. Um, that uh, I asked for, please like, please comment, please subscribe. And the next thing you knew, I had four videos that were the top videos of the day, and suddenly everybody saw what I was doing, and that basically invented the traditional call to action on YouTube, which was please like, please comment, please subscribe. Um, So yeah, and I was one of the first YouTube partners back in the summer of 2007. We're at a point now in 2017 where everybody is a YouTube partner. So basically <laughs> when you sign up for YouTube, you can monetize your channel. That means to enable ads to run on your videos. But back in 2007, I believe there were 40 of us and YouTube called and said, would you like to be a YouTube partner? And I mean, I burst into tears. I was so flattered like it was a huge honor 10 years ago. So de- definitely your introduction of me sounds correct to me. <laughs> okay,
2: great. And you... Since then, about uh, two months ago, I reached out to you because I have this podcast. I have a blog and social media is a huge component of it. And I, I, it wasn't only just that, but I was following you on one of your social media accounts. And, um, I was, I was, I don't know if I actually even told you this, but I was in my mind. I've been saying to myself, I need a mentor. I need someone to cut, um, Cut the chase with me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, you know, focus me, help me, guide me. And then you put something on, on one of them. And I was like, yes, (laughs) I want you to be my mentor. And, um, and we started working together and it's been. Awesome.
0: I, I, Thank you. it's been awesome for me too. I get just as much out of the calls as you get out of the calls. We are definitely a good match. And when we're talking, you often say we're definitely in sync. Like we'll have a lot of similar things or thoughts or experiences during the weekend will be totally on the same page. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely an effortless, which is my my word of 2017 effortless. Our match is definitely an effortless relationship. It's been great for me too. So thank you. Well, thank
2: you. And um one of the thi- the the reason it worked out perfectly to have you this week on the podcast was one of the um things that we tend to always End up talking about (laughs) is sex. Um, Yay! Yay! One of my favorite, two of my favorite topics: talking about me and sex. (laughs) So I um and I wrote on my blog this week a little bit about just how it's a little scary putting yourself out there, and when you actually start connecting with people, it's like a new stage when people are writing you and you know telling you their shit and and I kind of had this moment of like oh you know am I sh- telling too much am I showing too much and froze up uh I got over it I'm fine I'm back on <laughs> yeah. but um one of the the topics in the blog post was I felt conflicted because some people write to me about how much I talk about sex and you know want to know more about that and some people talk to me about the yoga the meditation the spirituality aspect of what I write and they don't seem to, um, necessarily be two topics that converge naturally. Um, so you and I were talking about it because I, I have like a long term plan, not a today plan, um, of basically being more open about my private life. Right now, I, you know, I have children, so I keep my private life private. I think people get a taste of, um, what I think or what I believe. Um, but you are one of the rare people that I can talk to about it. And they have like an intellectual conversation about sex, not just like the details, which are always right. right,
0: right. <laughs> which I enjoy the details too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too.
2: Um, and one of the things I think we have in common is we both, uh, the natural conversation we had the last time was about monogamy versus open relationships versus, I don't even know if versus is the right way to articulate it, but just the conversation, just having a conversation about how I, you know, personally feel like I see a trend that mainstream media, you know, I I think the example I gave to you was on Scandal, you know, on the show. Uh, It was a couple seasons back. I was just watching it with my son and you know, the storyline is the president's daughter had a three way with two boys. <laughs> and I, and I remember being just in awe that that was what I was watching. And also this realization that living in North Carolina, having the friends that I have, being in the social economic circles that I'm in, mainstream people are not ready for this. <laughs> They're not ready for the, the change that's happening. And the, you know, millennials coming up, It's a totally different world with technology. What they, you know, are into. Everyone's pants. My running joke is everyone's a pansexual at that age. Like everyone's just, you know, no one is straight anymore.
0: (laughs) I agree. I agree.
2: And. That's why I think having you on the show would be great because we can talk about it. And
0: Yes, this is all I love to talk about. It's funny because in in real life when I'm off camera, people who know me know that I love to talk about sex. I love to talk about my sex life. I love to talk about their sex life. I love to talk about their lack of sex life and strategize how to have a better sex life. And, um, you know, for me, something like sex is something that I really didn't talk about or know a lot about growing up. And um, and even as a young adult, and then I was monogamously married for 13 years, so I never really gave it much thought. I just kind of stayed the course of what love and sex was in my brain, how I was raised. And then the moment I started to think about it more and see other forms of relationships I was definitely so much more open minded and so much more interested in how other people were living their their life and I think what you're talking about with the millennials is hilarious and true because you know people our age who are you know over 40 or in their 30s or whatever we were raised to really identify like I'm gay and I'm going to come out or I am a male and I'm I'm a boy and I and so and now these kids with their gender and their sexuality, they don't even care about identifying in many ways. They are very fluid. They they're so they're so um they just don't care. They're so comfortable with themselves. They don't have the hangups that we do. They don't have the baggage that we do. We don't, they, you know, they're not going to be raised by repressed parents like many of we were. So, I mean, you know, when, if I had kids now, I would, I would never call them a boy or a girl or never ask them if they were there. I would just, you know, it would just be so easy and comfortable and delightful. So I'm, I'm excited for, you know, your kids, generation of kids who they're going to raise because that's like, that's going to be amazing (laughs) because they're not going to have any hang. They're not going to have the hangups that we had, you know,
2: I'm probably a little more cynical. I'm like, did, did you watch or read the what are they called? The Mockingjay series? I, did, I saw the movie, the, the Hunger Games. Yeah, The Hunger Games. I think that that generation is going to be like the capital city, you know, with all these Uh-oh. filters on Snapchat and everything.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. That's funny.
2: But um, I do think, and, you know, that leads me to question number one is um, I think some way that we are failing our children is um, sex ed. I think sex, the fact that we're still arguing about abstinence being the conversation that we want to teach our children shocks me (laughs) Um, because they need to have a much more, a a conversation needs to be had. It requires a lot more critical thinking than we needed. Um, The laws haven't even caught up with, you know, if, let me rephrase. If I was 15 years old, knowing myself at 15 and what I was doing at 15 and I had a cell phone and i had access to i would not have had the self control not to do something stupid um and i'm grateful that i didn't have a phone at 15 um and so i see like i i you know i have 15 year old twins who are boy girl i see the discrepancy i see how the boy can get in trouble for the girl sending in the nude as well as the girl still getting slut shamed for you know, sending the nude even though the boy was the one it's just it's it's a conversation is completely missing in our country um, and I think we, you know, again, I don't mean to be like a negative Nelly, but I'm, I'm fearful that it's going to take another AIDS epidemic or something to that effect to have people have this conversation. Um, and part of the conversation, I think, has to include masturbation, <laughs> has to include safe sex, obviously, and monogamy. I mean, we, I don't think we need to keep pretending that monogamy is the only way relationships um, last or are meant to be. In fact, I think the data is pretty clear on it. <laughs> Look right. at the divorce rate. Um, right. So, I mean, that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Thoughts about sex ed in general? Yeah. Or what? Like, what would you... Oh yeah. I mean, I, well, my sex ed was so ridiculous. Like I went to health class and they basically told us to take a shower. And I think they told us about AIDS and I, I'm pretty sure sh- I don't even think they put a condom on a banana. I don't remember any of it. Um, I've learned about sex in the last five or six years watching YouTube videos. Like I've watched YouTube vloggers who are very sad. Se- I didn't even know what sex positive was until like two years ago. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's me. I'm sex positive. I love that term. Um, and anytime someone calls me a slut or a whore, I nicely correct them and I say i'm sex positive i'm a grown-up and i I make my own decisions and i love having sex and i there is no shame in it for me and i'm I'm a total reform slut shamer i mean there were many videos of me 2006 to 2010 when a woman like a disney star would uh, photograph herself and it would get leaked and i would definitely make derogatory comments about her part of it was to be funny part of it i truly believed Um, And I was also trying to be uh, like an older, like wiser, like father figure. But now it's so funny because if I watch that video now, that's so disconnected from how I really see it. And it is not black and white. And it is not like, oh, this is a terrible person. And oh, she made this bad choice and she should be punished. And it's definite. I'm so much more compassionate about it. Um, But yeah, like I know I knew nothing about sex. I, I I have a whole bit in my stand up about my parents giving me a book called about like that what's happening to my body books and um I really thought that man and woman laid next to each other and they were having sex so I mean I would go into my parents room at night and I'd be like and I would be sleeping in between them and I would be thinking am I interrupting the sex like am I having sex <laughs> like I was that stupid about sex and even at 15 when I had a girlfriend I remember thinking I'm going to have to um ejaculate in her because that will give her an orgasm because I didn't understand and I'm like well I haven't even had a wet dream yet so I'll just pee in her I'm sure she'll love it like really I was so dumb about sex. It's, it's comedic out. but these are my thoughts and like you the same thing at 15 and 16 all I thought about was sex I looked at my brother's pornography somebody brought over a VHS tape I loved it I was obsessed at 12 13 14 when looking at the JCPenney catalog and seeing the penis through the I mean we are sexual beings it's yeah. like so that's why it's weird that we tell kids like oh sex is bad and wait till marriage and all that bull crap. that's lovely in theory mm-hmm. but that's just not necessarily practical and when your hormones are raging and you and i I've had I've had so much amazing sex outside the context of marriage, so I just don't believe that that's
2: true. <laughs> no, I'm I'm right there with you. My mother, the two stories, the sex ed conversations I had with my mother was one, um, I remember a commercial where the women and the, the mother and the daughter were walking on the beach, and I didn't understand what the product was, which now I know was probably like uh, feminine napkins. And I asked her, <laughs> And she got mad at me, like you know, I somehow slut shaming me for even thinking about menstruation. That was <laughs> that was <laughs> conversation number one. And conversation number two, I was fifteen, and um I actually did have a boyfriend, and it was a secret relationship. And she said, "I'll look in your eyes, I'll look in your eyes, and I'll know, I'll know if you sleep." And it it those words stayed with me till I was eighteen. I wow. was really super scared that she would look into my eyes and know what I was thinking. And back in those days, I thought about sex all the time.
0: Same, all the time. same, same, of course.
2: <laughs> so, um, yeah. And then, you know, like you, I mean, our stories are very parallel is, you know, I thought, I was, I was 28 years old and I'm like, okay, I guess it's time to get married.
0: <laughs> and right, right. And that's what I, I told you uh, again, so your listeners understand that was me too at 25, 26 In my brain, I thought, I better bag a husband by 28 or I'm over the hill. So I got a a fiancé at 25, I got married at 27, and that was the life that I, again, I'm not begrudging me that at the time, and I don't regret that, but that is, that was like my option. Like, in my brain, I'm like, get married by 30, start by, you know, it didn't occur to me that I was a child, (laughs) mean, that's the thing, it's like now at 42, I'm like, oh my god, I was 26, I'm such a little boy, I was a child, you know, so... Yeah,
2: no, I I totally, and I I was like, okay, it's time to get married, it's time to have kids, and I was monogamous. My ex husband and I were monogamous. There was no, I mean, I it can't speak for him, but I don't know anyone that's slept with me that doesn't isn't aware of the fact that I'm a sexual, very sexual human being. So, and for me, monogamous, it was just a, you're a monogamous with your spouse. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. And I never had the conversation of like. Um, I'm never supposed to be attracted to someone else. He's not supposed to be attracted to so. It was just like the wedding was the culmination of everything. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, now that I'm divorced, now that I'm in my 40s, I look back and I'm like, ah. Oh. So I, when I first got divorced, I basically, I was, a, I was a huge hot mess. And I, but I had the wherewithal to know that I wasn't going to repeat the same patterns like i was not going to go from a failed marriage blowing up my family blowing up the whole story to then go and enter another relationship um without even thinking about what i wanted who i was and if monogamy was something that um i was up for i was like fuck it i'm you know in my 40s pay my own bills <laughs> I keep it separate from my children my private life is completely private I don't really go into great detail there's only a handful of people that know what I do but it's you know um, I love my sex life <laughs>
0: right right, right. and you know the moment you say that out loud and that's amazing you know half of the people are going to be like you go girl and half the people are going to be like oh this damaged woman yes. so again that's that's what we talk about in coaching too as part of being a grown up is allowing other people to be wrong about us and that's why I know no matter what whoever's listening to this I'm not. If they write terrible things about me, or if they write great things about me, either way, it's fine. Again, I'm just, I'm just here to tell you what, what, what works for me. You know. <laughs>
2: yeah, and I, it was my own. You know, I, I tried an open relationship. The first relationship after um, marriage, I didn't even want to be a girlfriend. I didn't want to be anyone's. Um, but that's, you know, you kind of fall into the same patterns that you were socially conditioned to fall in. And a month after dating this man, he was like, you know, referring to me as a girlfriend and he was the first one i i approached him i discussed it with him and i was like look if you want to be exclusive i'm not this is not going to work cuz right. <laughs> i want to explore um and we you know we worked at it for about 2 years um and some things worked wonderfully some things were explosive it's not um a lifestyle that is for everyone i'm not i am certainly not advocating that it works for everyone. Most people I know and know in their relationships, I'm like, no, this does don't, don't try it. (laughs) Kids do not try this. Other people who are, um, you know, in different cities and different places, I can have that conversation with them and be like, well, what's important to you? Like what, how are you going to rank your sexuality for the next relationship you're going to have? If it's in the top three things that are important to you, then you need to have that conversation. Um, Right. Before having, I think, a relationship. Other people aren't as sexual. You know, it's a spectrum.
0: (laughs) Right. If if you don't talk about it like in the early stages and then you're married or dating for like four years and you're like, oh, maybe I have like a threesome then someday. You're like, oh, maybe we should have talked about this. Exactly. So it's like, you know, the, the sooner you get on the same page about sex and finances and show everything, I'm always surprised when people are dating for two years and they've never had very important maybe difficult see everything for me now is effortless to talk about because I was so non communicative in my marriage which again is my fault I just was not a great communicator now like every date or every relationship I've ever had I'm hilariously communicative like day one like let's talk about money let's talk about finances let's talk about or that's the money and finances let's talk about sex let's talk about this because again I don't want to surprise like a year in and be like oh we weren't I wasn't clear that oh I might not want to get married again and I definitely don't want to have children and oh I'm definitely going to want a threesome so I need, you, <laughs> I need you to know all of this right now because I don't No, you don't want to date me for five years and then be like oh I didn't know this well I'm, tell, I'm putting it all on the table right now well here's my
2: question <laughs> You, at what point do you share that with someone that you're dating? Because that's a struggle that I have. Is yeah. Especially being a woman in a small town in a very conservative state, you know, I don't open up with, "Hey, I question monogamy as the only way to live your life." <laughs> I don't, because immediately um, it changes their perspective of me to a one-dimensional person, and I so I always struggle with that. I'm never sure when to bring it up.
0: I always thought with me that the right person was going to be okay with me right away with all of it and just adore all of my, my realness. So I, I generally would just be talking in casual conversation about previous open relationships or, you know, or I even casually would say to people like when I first became single – I might start dating you um, and we might be together for the rest of my life, but there's no way I'm ever going to look at you and say, I'm never going to suck another dick. And they would laugh because so that was like a funny way to be like, just so you know, like I'm not in this, but you know, I might love you for the rest of my life, but I'm never going to look at you and say, I'm never going to suck another dick. So I mean, I would say that and they would laugh. And um, I mean, nowadays, I mean, on the, on the gay male profiles, people are pretty honest. It says looking for an open relationship or looking for monogamous. So, I mean, there is that category. And I think, again, I, I think gay men have it a little easier in terms of the, I mean, we definitely get shamed within our community and, um, so with, with the same, just the way, you know, straight people react or whatever. So, I mean, but it's it's I think it's easier to identify and it's definitely more accepted. And there are studies now showing that uh, the majority of gay relationships do have some degree of openness, whether that's they have a, a boyfriend and they're in a triad or a throuple or they just have that like, oh, we're going on vacation, free pass. Let's have them. Let's have a threesome. But again, I, I think gay men are, um you know, more more known to be open and more accepted to be open and the, here's the thing about that, that that I struggled with which I didn't even realize I was struggling with because I was raised so heteronormative, like I was saying, went to Catholic school, you know, you're supposed to, my, my, my school ring motto was be a man, which in this day and age sounds hilariously oppressive. Be a man. What does that even mean? Um, and again, you know, you invite a girl to the prom and you get, again, it was just such a normal, the, the things in my brain were so, this is the way it should be. Now- I remember, and again, I remember growing up being terrified of AIDS. It was the 80s. It was, you know, it was Mm -hmm. my first boyfriend was monogamous for four years in college. And in my brain, I was thinking at 19 years old, I'm going to find myself a respectable man and put myself in that monogamous Faithful, live together category because the whole world thinks that all gay men are so deviant and get AIDS. So I'm going to show them I'm going to behave in a a very heteronormative, respectable, in my brain way. And that was the same thing when I met my husband, who is now my ex husband. I was determined to prove society wrong. Like, oh, gay people aren't allowed to get married. I'll, I'll get married. I'll show you. And then, you know, many years into my marriage, I remember thinking, I don't even know if I want to be married. And I certainly really am open to exploring more sexually than I'm willing to admit to my, my spouse. So yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a lot of it too, that in my brain, it was very important to put up the good front of of, of decency, of decency.
2: (laughs) No, and I I was, I didn't even know that that's something I would even think about post my divorce. It wasn't like sex wasn't my first priority after the divorce. So, but I did know I wanted to have a conversation. I like you. I in the last you know, I think for me it was podcast you as YouTubes. Uh <clears throat> I do you know Dan Savage from the I the, do, yes. Yeah. He's been
0: very helpful to me. Because yes. he uses the word monogamous or whatever yes. he says. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I am a huge fan of his, listen to his podcast weekly, and it that was my sex ed. That's where I was like, oh, yeah. oh, oh and I I learned so much, and I, it's not that I agree 100% with everything, um, but most of it made complete sense to me. It was the first time I even thought, cause I always grew up thinking something was wrong with me. Like, I was hypersexual. Like, I, you know, my oldest friend, um, who ended up being gay, which I knew all along but anyway side point he you know his nickname for me is whore and it's it comes from a place of love it's not demeaning because when we were you know in middle school and he was confused about his sexuality I would sit next to him and just and just talk about it all the time I was just like obsessed with the idea of sex. And, um, and you know, he's obviously known me for now 20 some years. He's like, the name still applies. (laughs) Uh. Um, but when I let, when I got divorced and I got into this relationship and that was the first time I'd ever been in an open relationship. It, so like I said, some of it was great. Some of it didn't work out. And I did learn a lot about myself, like what it is I want versus what I didn't want. Um, you know, I have no, that whole swinger lifestyle is, is not for me. I I don't judge other people for it, but it was just, um, not something that, you know, appealed to me. And, but I did, (laughs) I do like a certain amount of kink and am very sex positive. And that for me as a woman is a bigger, is, is a challenge. It's, it's not so much like I want to be in an open relationship. Like I I can be in another <clears throat> monogamous relationship. In fact, the one I had after that open relationship was monogamous and it was the best sex I've ever had in my life. So, you know, there you go. Um, <laughs> but Bye. I do want to be with someone who is as open to the idea that sexuality is fluid. And, yeah. you know, I would like my sex life to come with, um, you know, whipped cream and a cherry on top. And what that means to me varies from year to year. But I want to, I want, and I would love a partner that's willing to play with me, you know, explore the stuff with me. Um, but I haven't found that yet.
0: You will. You will. I mean, that's the thing. That's the key is being so clear and not trying to find somebody and fit them in. It's like you even saying that out loud, like someone might be listening to this and shaking their head and they might not be ready to say that out loud yet. But they're thinking, oh, oh, I'm glad someone else is saying this because and that's the way I was, too. Years ago, I wasn't necessarily ready to admit that I wanted different things, but when I'd hear someone, I'd be like, good for them. Like, (laughs) I would never do, right, I would say, good for them. I would never do that, but good for them. I remember saying to a therapist uh, a year ago, I remember saying, I'm talking about being hypersexual, I remember saying, if I was listening to me talk about my sex life 10 years ago, I would have been shaking my head like, oh my God, like what is wrong with you? Did you not get enough attention as a child? Were you brutally raped or something? Like what is wrong with you? And then now I'm like, I am I love it and I love that I am talking to people who are in their 20s and you can just see the look on their face like, oh my God. And I said, when I was 27, I was shaking my head too. Like I was like, what was up? And I also, it's funny that you said you had amazing sex post-marriage and I mean, sex in people's brains is wasted on the youth because again Again, me at 42 is amazing in bed. Me at 26, 27 was an idiot. Like, I was just like, oh, I was so nervous all the time. I was like, I don't know. Again, maybe I was like thinner and younger and whatever, but my sex skills were hilariously limited. <laughs> so it's, it, it's so great to get older and just under. I am better and I am great in bed. Like, I take I, it's great. I love it. I, I love it.
2: I do too. It's one of my favorite things about myself. But yes. um, I have, like, you know, I can't even tell you how many. Women or how many? Yeah, that don't orgasm. That don't like. They just think it's something. And I'm like, it's this. I feel like, dude, seriously, <laughs> no. Bye. We need to get you a hibachi or whatever the name is. And like, my thing for women, for girls, and not that I've had this conversation honestly um, with my children yet, but in theory, my advice would be, you know, learn your own body first for women. I, you know, I don't have a penis. I don't know. You're an expert at your penis. I'll be an expert on my you know vagina, <laughs> become an expert right. on it. And, the, you know, I think the beauty of being in my forties is you're still young enough and physical enough to enjoy it, but you have years of practice and practice makes yeah. you better.
0: <laughs> right. So right.
2: I, um, you know, I am. I think
0: it's important for people listening again they don't need to listen to this and and this is like when I'm coaching people and they like we've talked about things like this but when you hate your body I don't need you to go from I hate my body to I love my body because that's way too far away so in terms of like being sex positive or being more open I think the people listening could start to think something like I'm open to the idea that you know sex is different than I thought it was and or sex my sex life can be way more satisfying than I ever thought it was. We're not asking you to suddenly develop kinks or be a swinger, but again, be open to the idea that the way you were raised and the way your brain is programmed is um is is, is definitely changeable and evolvable over the years. And I just think it's it's just so wonderful. I lo- I love that I've changed so much. I love that I look at sex so beautifully and differently than I did 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's been it's been such a, a wonderful blessing in my life to have this side of my Myself, so it's it's awesome. That's why I love talking about it. Like I want to talk about this all day.
2: <laughs> well, I, you know, the last question and um, it goes to being open about it because I I'm not um, again I, I'm not. It's not in my profile. Like the best way I describe myself is I'm not traditional and I am very honest on that first coffee. Like, Hey, <laughs> yeah, if you think this is going to be three coffees, you know, then a movie, then, you know, no, I'm going to know fairly quickly if this is going to go a second or third, um, date and. I have children, I have, you know, teenagers, I have a, a younger child. So I'm very, and I'm, I'm a Girl Scout leader. I have a podcast, I have a blog, yeah. I work for a company, I have many hats. So me being out and open, like, my LinkedIn account is nowhere near the same as my <laughs> shit, you can't make up web, these two worlds do not collide. Um yeah. And my parenting world does not collide with my private world. And I feel inauthentic in the sense that I'm not that, out and open about it to, um, you know, anyway, this is probably the most I've outed myself in any way is this conversation. Um, <clears throat> but I think it, I feel comfortable at this point in my life, including with the age of my children to, to be a little bit more open about it. Cause I think that conversation needs to be had. I think we're, we're heading for a world of, um, a lot of, you know, issues sexually. (laughs) I mean, we could stick our heads in the sand and not, you know, have this conversation, but it has to be had. It's not... The world is totally different. It's totally different. I mean, we used to...
0: uh, yeah, and like I said the other day to you, that Colton Haynes story that I picked up by People Magazine and all the news outlets. This is a, a an actor who's 27, who identifies now as gay, is engaged to a man. He told a little charming story on a radio interview with Andy Cohen about losing his virginity to a man and a woman at the age of 13. And he talked about it so casually that, again, like that's that's people now. It's like it is it's it's like people who are that comfortable with their sexuality and they're that comfortable. Comfortable talking about sex. And you would never hear, like, oh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, an actor on a, a radio interview talking about these things. So it's just it's such an exciting time, I think, for sexuality. I think it's a I think it's really a great time. So I,
2: yeah, I'm excited. I probably am more scared of it because of the children, my, my kids. Yeah. But I yeah. do think it's a great time. And I think for me personally, I feel comfortable enough discussing it, having a podcast about it, because I've worked through all that shame, all those childhood, you know, conditioning that I went through, all the religious conditioning that I went through
1: to get to a
2: point that I'm like, you know what? I'm a really good person. I will do anything for a neighbor, a child, you know, um, anyone. And I can be a really, really great person. I could be spiritual. And I can be sexual. It's, <laughs> they're not mutually exclusive. And I'm just now getting to that point where I'm, I'm comfortable with that, you know? And that, that's a lot of the blog and a lot of the podcast is me working through that and like saying to people, okay. <laughs>
0: Hey, <laughs> right. um, and there's nothing inauthentic about you. That's the, that's the, that's the weird thing in your brain that again, we talk about your thoughts, create your feelings, whatever negative thoughts you're having that feel you are, you're all these things. You are a girl scout leader who, again, it's, you are all these things. You don't need to put yourself like, Oh, well, I can't be this and this you are, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I am. You are. So, <clears throat> well, um, thank you for doing this and oh I love ah, the conversation. Glad. And what do you want to share your social media?
0: Yeah. So if you're listening, please follow me. I am on Twitter. I am on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on Snapchat. It is all Buck Hollywood. If you have any interest in life coaching, by all means, email me Buck at BuckHollywood.com or shoot me a direct message on Twitter. But, um, yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about all these things and please have me on anytime.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yay. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm very proud of you and all the work you're doing. Thank you.
1: Bye. Did you have a good time listening to this episode? Well, then be sure to check out Marisol's blog at shityoucantmakeup.com or find her on Instagram at Marisol's podcast or, of course, on Facebook. I'm Sean, the producer, and you can hear me on my podcast, Dad Son, all one word, D-A-D-S-O-N, funny and candid conversations between a father and a son about something. Hey, we'll see you next time.